Are you ready? Ready to release internal pain? To find confidence, clarity, and direction for your future? To live a life of meaning, fulfillment, and contribution? To trust your intuition again, but something's been holding you back? You've come to the right place. Welcome. I'm Ian Hawkins, the host and founder of the Grief Code podcast. Together, let's heal your unresolved or unknown grief by unlocking your grief code. As you tune in to each episode, you will receive insight into your own grief, how to eliminate it and what to do next. Before we start, I have one request. If any new insights or awareness land with you during this episode, please send me an email at info at ianhawkinscoaching.com and let me know what you found. I know the power of this work and I love to hear the impact these conversations have. Okay, let's get into it. In today's chat, Danielle Tooley addresses something that many mums experience despite wanting to be a mum and loving her children. She had a hunger for more. She wanted more from her life beyond being a mum. And she went on that journey despite the challenges. And there's a massive part of this chat with Danielle where she talks about being able to create your own future. And despite the different challenges and despite the different setbacks in other different different areas of her life, she was able to create so many wonderful things in her life and is now helping other people to do the same. Whether you're a mum or you've got, you're married to one or you've had one, you'll enjoy hearing a different perspective on parenting, on purpose and an expansion of your life from where you're currently sitting. Today's guest, Danielle Tooley. Danielle, how are you? Good, thank you. Thanks for having me on. You're welcome. Great to have you. Thank you. Now, we had a little chat before we jumped on about a couple of big moments for your life, and, and, I, and I love that they will be things that there's a number of people in this audience that will really appreciate them and really really be beneficial to. And, and one of them is you said you, you made the decision to take five years off to raise your children, which I think is awesome. But I also know that there's a there's a big thing around mum guilt and and then also that desire to wanting to be doing more than that as well. But no comparison, but I got a real eye opener when I did six weeks uh, paternity leave and I couldn't handle the isolation and the lack of adult conversation. I don't know how you did five years. I know, right? <laughs> So tell us a little about that part of the story, um, Danielle, and how, how that really impacted you. I guess I've always been a really busy person and I've always had multiple projects on. So before I became a mum, I was I was actually lacking direction, to be honest. And I married a man that I shouldn't have. I knew that I I knew when he gave me the ring and we got engaged that I shouldn't go into this marriage, Um, which takes a lot of courage for people to actually admit that, you know, to say, actually, I knew I, some people are in in relationships like, you know, for 10 years and they knew at the two week mark that they shouldn't continue the relationship. And I knew before I got engaged that it wasn't right. 
And for me, I guess the biggest fear, and even though I was only in my early 30s, was that if I don't marry this man, there's going to be no one else that loves me. I'm going to be left behind. I'm going to have no one. I'm going to be alone. And, you know, I'm not I'm not going to get the white picket fence and the house and the husband and the kids, right? Yeah. And so I went down that path and we fell pregnant very quickly. So after we got married, I think I was pregnant within two months. So it's like, bang. Yep. And um, at around eight months, my husband at the time, he comes home and he says, um, I've had this opportunity to move to Sydney and, you know, where we'll have to pack up within two weeks and we'll get to move. And I was like, well, what's what? that going to look like? And, and, and I've got an obstetrician, I'm about to give birth and all my family are here and all this sort of thing. And anyway, I went along with it because he's the breadwinner and I ended up quitting all my jobs here. So at the time I was a dance teacher and I was even teaching still with my daughter in my tummy yeah. And um, and I was doing all my healing, so my reflexology and my massage and my kinesiology, and I was also working for my mum in her office like one day a week. So I had a lot going on, right? Yeah, wow. Very busy lady because yeah. I like to have, you know, lots of things going on. And so we packed up and moved everything. Within two weeks, we were in Sydney and basically I didn't have my family or my friends or anyone and I had to get a new obstetrician, which he turned out to be absolutely incredible and it was a great birth. Um, but then I was left to raise this child basically on my own, which was amazing because it taught me how to stand on my own two feet and not rely on anyone. Yep. But also that can be that's not a great thing either. Like as a as a parent, you need you need a village to raise your child. 100%. And my husband was traveling all the time and um going out like for work dinners and so I was home a lot and I was just getting more miserable by by the minute. And uh, I remember at one point he actually handed me, I actually have never told anyone this, by the way, it's funny. He handed me this piece of paper and he said, I can't help you. You need to call this number and get help because he could see I was like depressed. Yeah, right. I wasn't depressed. I wasn't depressed by this definition of, of the world's depression. It's, yeah. I was depressed because I didn't have enough going on. Mm, I was wow. Thing. Bored. Bored. <laughs> had no stimulation. I was catching up with mums from mothers groups from Sydney who weren't really interested in forming a bond with me, really, because they had their own clicky groups and stuff. Sounds familiar. Um, yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah. So that was really interesting. It's like, yeah, you deal with this because I. I can't help you kind of thing. I was like, yeah, well, we could. We could just change this whole dynamic. Something could shift here, yeah. right? So my yeah. point of view around depression and that sort of thing is what are, what is it that you're not choosing? Love that. Have you got enough going on? Have you got enough that's stimulating you and making you happy? So that was a big no for me, not enough. 
Then I fell pregnant with my second child. Wow. And I had this massive demand in my world just to get back to Melbourne. And it ended up happening. We came back to Melbourne, but he stayed in Sydney for a bit and travelled back and forth. And again, like two babies, um, him not around, him travelling a lot, and the hole just got bigger. Like I was just burying myself deeper and deeper in this hole, even though I'd asked for what I wanted, which is I wanted my friends and family around me, I still wasn't fulfilled because really what made me tick was creativity and contributing to people's lives, doing something of value where I could wake up and be excited every day. And and I and it, that wasn't that for me. And even though, and please, like people think, oh, my God, did you not love your children? I totally did. Absolutely adored them. I loved all the milestones and everything, but there was just something missing, right? I think most parents will identify with that. They may outwardly say it's another way, but there are times where you're like, man, I need a break. Like, uh-huh. And I just, and I wasn't and I wasn't getting one. I wasn't getting the breaks that I needed. Mm. So can can we backpedal a bit? Because you said you you're at that point where you're like, he gave you the ring, and you're like, oh, I shouldn't be doing this. Like, how long before engagement to getting married? And what what was your headspace like through all of that? Well, it was more like. Um, I can't think of a way to create my life because we're not taught as, especially as women, to create our lives. It's all about, well, you get married and you have children and society drums that into you. And I know it's changing, but it was back then still when I was, because I'm 47 now, I'm turning 48. So there was still that culture, right? Yeah, and so... I just felt like I was going to be left behind and all that. And and also really it was really about I don't know how to create my my life. I don't know how to create it, so I may as well just get married. I may as well just have children. I may as well just get married. It's like a safety almost. Yeah, and then I didn't have to think about the fact that because even though I was doing all those things, I was teaching dance and and I had my therapy. That, that was, even then, I have to say there was still something missing for yeah. me. Yeah, like I had this desire for more, but it just I wasn't quite grasping it. And then I was like, ah, oh, I just need to rest. And and by <laughs> by getting married and having kids, I can rest. I can chill out and stay at home. <laughs> what? Like well, it the, sounds so insane, but no, the things in our heads. Yeah, the things we think before we have children. Like I've right. had this conversation regularly. My wife and I, we were so judgmental of other parents until we had kids, and we're like, "Oh my god, what, what were we saying?" Like you just yep. got no comprehension, do you, until you actually have them? Nuts. Yeah. So, if you look forward and 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 you know your your husband's recognizing that this uh you know that you're looking depressed like if you look back at that time was there part of you that 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 was already that was already there at that time just not not strong enough for you to see it i reckon there was somewhere there was a burning desire in my life to create something big and i just wasn't 
willing to really look at it and acknowledge it. And I thought that perhaps getting married and having children would fill that void. Yeah, and it, yeah. and it just didn't clearly. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, now I said before I'll sort of follow the nudges around what sort of different things, and there were there was something there around travel, and and when your husband stayed in Sydney, so at that point, if you're already sort of almost checked out. I don't, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but you tell me, like, was it like so that you checked out emotionally? Were you just, you were there in a relationship but not really in it or like how engaged were you? I, look, I was in it and I get that he wasn't, he was so busy on the phone and he was mm-hmm. so busy travelling and he was so busy um, wheeling and dealing and doing deals and all the things with his business that he was avoiding me as well. Mm. Yeah, right. And then I was looking to him to get like some emotional connection and it just wasn't happening. Did, did you, even though that there was part of you that knew that it that wasn't right, was there still a sense of rejection around the fact that he was working all the time and wasn't really in it? Totally. I'm like, you know, like even, you know, when I was in the hospital and I'd given birth to my daughter, um, he was off riding his bike. <laughs> and then and then I remember um Forgot what I was going to say. Rejection. We're talking. Yeah. No. I, that's right. After I gave birth to um, Jay, I'd had my six week mark. You know, when they say you're clear, you can go and exercise and do all your things. And I was googling where to do Pilates to get my strength back here in Melbourne, and um, I found somewhere, and it was really close to home, and it was on a Saturday morning, so it wasn't work hours. And it would mean that I was gone for like 45 minutes to an hour. And I came home. I was like really excited when he came home. And I said, guess what? I found this Pilates place and I can get my strength back. And he's like, well, that's when I ride my bike. That was the response. Oh, wow. Was like, oh, and I was so, fu- I remember being so furious. Like, what about me? That was what it was. It was like, what about me? Like, you can what if you could work around me for once, you know? Yeah, yeah. He was quite a selfish man. Mm. I can feel the frustration <laughs> in that one. Uh, Very. And, and, again, I'm going to say this to a lot of men who who have certain behaviours that they're, they're not necessarily proud of. We often just do the best we can with what, what we've given, right? And I've had this conversation with my mum a fair bit as I – I took for granted how much like my dad was a man of action and and while there are a whole lot of other issues that I had going on, like ultimately he was there and he was present and, and he did a whole lot of those different things that I know have been just such a great role modeling. But if the role modeling's not there, well then there's just not the skill. But but there's also like surely at some point there he had a conscience around some of that. Yeah, and he eventually came round and he said, Look, um, you know, I'm sorry, you can do it. I'll go bike riding later or whatever. Mm. And so I, I ended up going to the Pilates and it was wonderful because I could actually be around other people and have something just for me that was outside of just, you know, the kids. Yeah. Mm. So so through all that, was was there one moment where it like like a sort of rock bottom moment where it just all like I've I'm done with this? I think the moment that was, um, yeah, most defining was when we moved to a, a new house and we bought a house 
And back in Melbourne now? Still in, so we were back in Melbourne and we yeah. were renting and he was doing the back and forth from Sydney. And then we bought a house um, here in Melbourne and there, um, there was a space where I am actually speaking to you right now. There was a space underneath the house and I had my massage table still and I set it all up, um, you know, like in the hopes that I would start something up again. And I was looking at my database and I called a friend over and I said, um, can I just have a little practice on you with my kinesiology? It's been five years. I can't, I've got baby brain. I can't even remember. Yeah. So I did the session on her and you have to, with the kinesiology I had learned, it was all about going through the emotions. I feel angry. I feel sad. I feel, I feel, I feel. Yeah. And I'm doing this session and everything in the room and me was getting more contracted and heavier and heavier and heavier. And I'm like, what is that? I don't want to do this. I don't want to be sitting here talking about the heavy, I feel emotions. Like hmm. I want to come alive. Like, like I want my clients to come alive. So um, I rang my kinesiology teacher and I said, hey, I'm looking at starting my business again. It's been five years. Um, I, I just did a session on one of my friends and something, I, I, I couldn't remember one of the finger modes. Can you help me? And she said, oh, I'm not really doing kinesiology as much anymore. I've brought in this new modality and pe- and it seems to be a lot faster and people are getting greater results from it. And I'm like, oh, what's that? Like, <laughs> Pete, what is that? And she explained to me about these access bars that were 32 points on the head that relate to different areas of your life. And when you have a fixed point of view on a particular area of your life, and it could be depression or sadness or that your husband's not treating you well enough and all these things, yeah. it creates an electrical charge and a density, right, and it contracts everything, makes oh, everything wow. solid. And all you need is another person to align and agree with that point of view and then it brings that in and and that, you know, creation right. grows and grows and grows because yeah. you just keep aligning and agreeing with that same point of view. Mm. And so she's explaining this to me. And back then, this was like 10 and a half years ago, I'm like, we had no YouTube videos on this thing. Like you couldn't really research how it was explained. And so when she's talking about these bars, I'm imagining that you put these bars around people (laughs) and walk out. That's where my head went. (laughs) Yeah, you just leave them there and then the bars do their thing. But it wasn't that. I was on the computer Googling, like, what is this? Like, I'm trying to find information, nothing. But all I knew was whatever that is, because I said to her, is it easy? And she said said it's easy. And as a mum, I'm like, I just want something easy. Give me something easy, (laughs) particularly around working around my kids, right? Difficult just wasn't in my realm at that point. So I Googled, found a lady that was running this class that weekend told my husband, I'm going to go to this class. I really need it. This is for me. I really need it. Like I had to beg him, literally. Yeah. I had to yeah. beg him for money. I had to beg it. Like anything I wanted, there was always this element of begging. 
please, I really require this. He said, yes. And he said, all right, I'll take the kids away for the weekend. So I went to this class and miserable, by the way, like a deflated, miserable housewife that wasn't getting any like support from her husband apart from monetary, which was controlled as well. Yeah. And just tired from bringing up two little kids. And I get to this class and we go through the manual and it's our turn to lay on the table to swap and um, demonstrate this particular modality, the access bars. So I lay on the table and this girl's like running the points on my head and my arms flung out like this involuntarily. (laughs) Kind of like, hallelujah. It was like that. And it was like my body was going, thank God that you are contributing to me right now. This is exactly what I needed because I was just so full of story and density and just all the things. But so my arms are like this. Yeah. And then I kind of went, what the hell just happened? And then quickly pulled them in in case someone saw. You know, it was a bit mm. like that. Oh, my God, yeah. did anyone see? Did anyone see? I'm like a little bit crazy. <laughs> and she finished the session and it was lunchtime and I got off the table and I kid you not, I literally had to stop myself from skipping across the room. That's how <laughs> happy I was. I'm like, there I am. That's me. I remember me. That was me before I got married, before all the things. It was like so invigorating. It literally felt like someone plugged the life force back into me. Just like that, within an hour's session. And I was like, I want more of that. (laughs) Whatever the hell that is, I want it. Yep. And the lady that was running that class, she had another course the same weekend, like the next level that you could go to. It's not a level, but the next journey you could go on learning some more tools. I'm like, yes, please. Yep. Yep. So I ring my husband and I go, please, like, I need this. (laughs) I need more of this. I'm getting more of me. I'm so excited. And, like, again, the whole begging, he eventually, like, said yes, but he wasn't happy about it. And, um, oh, just the tools. And I was just sitting there that weekend going, I can see myself teaching this because I'd already taught. I taught dancing. I taught um, makeup. uh, I taught beauty therapy. I'd spent my years, I started teaching when I was 14, so dancing, right? So at a young age of 14, I started teaching. And so that's all, that was me, like facilitating was my thing. But then facilitating tools that could contribute to someone's lives, wow, like you've just given me the perfect scenario. And I got home from that weekend. He could see I was different. Yeah. He could see it. Was he it part of him going? I was going to say, is it part of him going, oh, what have I done? He's like, shit. shit. <laughs> yeah. I can see it in his eyes. Jeez, She's not diminished anymore. She ain't that small chick. I'm in trouble. I am in trouble. And I didn't put up with this shit anymore. So I started knowing and I I started no. I started pushing back. I'm not a doormat. Stop treating me like that. And eventually 
it got to the point where he couldn't even stay with me. He wow. couldn't handle me anymore. Because <sighs> I was born a potent chick, like the minute that I came out. Yeah, we had that conversation before we started, right? And I was getting all sorts of sensations in my body. I'm like, oh man, this is going to be a roller coaster. You got some seriously bigger energy going on here. <laughs> yeah, like I used to sit on, I know this sounds really creepy, but it wasn't, but I used to sit on, I used to love old people. I loved yeah. them. And I used to like stroke their hair and and they loved me being around. Yeah, and awesome. I never, ever really got that until I started really focusing solely on the healing journey and yeah. contributing to people in this way. That shit, I had that back then. Yeah. I had that ability back then, but I I couldn't put words to it. Yeah, and, and it's only creepy because like one, you know, small minority makes it creepy but the reality is like what what's wrong with a, a wonderful connection where where there's trust and, and you're literally healing people with yeah. a, as a youngster we, yeah like uh how much of that our natural ability to help people feel better is is just taken away by a system that doesn't support it yeah yeah and, and by parents who probably had the same thing happen to them. So just the mm. natural generational pattern of suppressing. Mm. And I used to just, and as a kid, like I used to love like palm reading and like witch books and all the things. And my, my mom would buy me all these books and they weren't into any of that stuff. They didn't tell me I was wrong for it. Yeah, they weren't on. into it. Yeah. yeah. Um, they would support it. And, you know, like I used to know stuff about my dad. And he, like, <laughs> he hated it. He was like, he actually said to a friend of um, our families recently, I struggle with my daughter because she knows too much. Because <laughs> I just Love knew. It. I just knew things. And he was quite dodgy and shady. So he'd be, like, hiding secrets. But I would know, like, what was going on. And so mm. he was like, I can't talk to her because she'll, like, pull it out of me. <laughs> and now my daughter's the same. <laughs> She's a teenager trying to hide all her secrets and can't because I know her, I know all the things. <laughs> Most of them. Most of them, I'm Most sure. Them. <laughs> um, we're going to come back to that, that dodgy dad. <laughs> there's, a story, there's a story there for sure. But, but back to just the work you were doing, um, how, how uh, open are you to be doing a bit of digging here, Danielle? Oh, my God. Okay. Like, just give me a go. <laughs> well, the, the first one that showed up was when you were talking about um, getting back on the table and doing that work. That that whole thing when you were learning about um, uh, access bars, I just was, like, nauseous the whole way through. So, so is that uh... – <sighs> Yeah, what, does that have any meaning for you before I dig any more? Because it's actually quite overwhelming just now sitting with it. Well, I guess like when you're dissipating, because this stuff lets go of lifetimes of stuff. It's not just your like surface stuff. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. people who run this stuff on you, like when you're having it run, you don't actually know what you're dissipating half the time because we don't, a lot of the time we don't know exactly what happened in our lifetime. <coughs> 
lot of the time that we're letting go of stuff from when we were kids that we don't exactly know what happened because a lot of stuff are kept secret, it's kept in the closet, it's taboo, it's whatever. So when you're working on someone, they'll just get up from the table and they just feel different and they don't actually have to go through years of psychotherapy to figure out what is wrong with them because at the end of the day, there is actually nothing wrong with you. Yeah. And we have a little bit of a tagline in Access Consciousness and it's like, you're not as fucked up as you think you are. <laughs> and I just love that because you're not. Like we're no. so searching for that thing that will set us free. Yeah. But what yeah. if there's nothing, anything that's going to set you free? It's just your choice to create your life yeah, moving that. forward that will change everything dynamically. The rest of it won't even matter anymore. Yeah. So this is this is where you're playing and you're not playing there. It's what you feed, the wolf of possibility or the wolf of grievance or Yeah, that that's been my experience as well. And some things are better left unknown and just clearing in a in a nice blissful process like you described. Um I think it's the overthinking and the confusion and like what what could it have been like I'm sure you've had clients like this too and, and I don't know, maybe the same experience. I remember thinking many times like what, what on earth happened to me that I'm like this, that I think like this? And then when you learn that most of it's just patterns of language that you heard and, and a shitty yeah. system that doesn't really support you and it's like what if, what if there's nothing there and what if you don't need to know all that but what if you can still move forward and, as you said, choose what it is you want? How much better would that be? Yeah, so, we're trying yeah. to, we're always trying to understand insanity and you can't understand insanity. And when you say, I'm trying to understand it, you're actually standing under it. So there you are standing under it, trying to figure it out. And the funny thing is with that, you actually have to become it. To understand anything, you actually have to become it. So you start playing it out. So, you know, when people say, you know, my dad's so insane or um, I don't want to be like my dad. And then you end up being like them because you don't want to be like them because you have to figure out how to not be like them. So to figure out how to not be like them, you actually have to be like them. <laughs> it's like yeah, and it's also the the unconscious brain doesn't understand the the like the uh, not something. It's just you've given it a subject and it's gone and repeated it. So it's like self fulfilling prophecy, right? Like we we yeah. I don't want to be like that. So what do we end up doing? We be exactly yeah, like I don't that. Like it. Yep. And yeah. like you want to include everything really because we are everything. Yeah. And yeah. when you can shine the light on that, everything's just so much easier. Um and the other thing was around uh the teaching. Yeah. And you said you've been teaching from a young age. Mm-hmm. So I imagine over the journey, right? Like you've got really, really good at it because you don't you don't start at something from fourteen and then get to to this age and then not have develop incredible skills. But that usually comes from some pretty traumatic experiences. So, were, were there some tough times in those early years when I was teaching and and yeah. learning how to dance and stuff? Yeah, yeah. Like um, I had quite a, an abusive dance teacher that. I thought was normal because back then, you know, on the on the in the football clubs, you know, you get a smack around the ears and and whatever. And same with dancing; it's a very bitchy industry. And so I was 
micromanaged, controlled um, to perfection. And actually it was really funny because I did a class on the weekend where I brought this up where my dance training has brought in an element of perfection in my world, which is which is not creating greater because I always look for where something can be improved rather than just allowing it to be. Yep. Uh, and I can definitely relate to the perfectionism thing and I'm sure many others can and it, and it means that it can be hard to find a level of satisfaction with anything we do, right? That's right because you're always looking for the improvement rather than, okay, well, that's what if I was teaching and I feel like, oh, I could have improved better there, well, it's like, well, what what if that was only what they could hear in that moment and, yeah. and everything was as it was perfectly and I didn't actually have to add in because there's so many ways you can go really but you're, you're, if you're following the energy, that's what was required at that time. Yeah, and I, I imagine it's made you really good at being able to teach in a way that, that is the exact opposite of that, to, to be still be able to see where the improvement can come but not directing it in a way that is uh, aggressive or micromanaging. But uh, I'm going to guess you help them to, to see it themselves rather that way. Yeah, I like with the way I facilitate people, it's really about getting to them to know what they know rather than me telling them what they should know or what they should do. It's just a series of questions of getting them to the awareness because we're not taught that. We, yeah. We've spent, like even from a very young age, this is what you're having for dinner. How many people like ask their kids what they want for dinner? Well, they just serve up the dinner and expect them to eat it and then make them sit there if they don't. Yeah, or, you have to sit there until you finish dinner or I'm going to serve it to you for breakfast. Where's Ooh. the question in that? <laughs> yeah, haven't that extreme, but I did know that we, if we ate our dinner, we got dessert, so that was always a uh, strong motivator as well. So, so, right. my, so it took me a long time to not have to eat every single thing on my plate. Yeah. But, yeah, and I guess it just goes down to that, that thing about choice where we weren't given mm. a choice. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, Having been, uh, like we've done a fair bit of giving children choice, I think there's probably a happy medium because if you go too far the other way, then uh, then you're uh, to your own detriment. Yeah, yeah. Kids are so, very different these days though. <laughs> yeah, thankfully we're getting better. Yeah, definitely. So you said that uh, it came to the point where he said, oh, I need to leave, like, that still, even though it sounds like it's what you wanted at the time, it still must have been a shock to the system. I, I, I relate it to this. I, I took a voluntary redundancy, but there was still part of me that had that, that same rejection feeling because I was like, oh, you let me go pretty easily. And even though it wasn't forced upon me, it still comes with all sorts of self-questioning, right? Well, we create what we're asking for. And yeah. I knew that he had to leave. I knew that he had to leave. He had to be the one that made the decision because he's also, because like you look at what I've just said previously, he's he was very controlling, still is very controlling. Um, so he had to come to that decision himself because that would have been, well, that was the greatest outcome. And even though it was sad and I cried because I'd left a guy that I'd been married to for seven and a half years and with for gosh, 11 or 12, well, around 11, 12 years, 
um, yeah, it comes with an element of I had a lot of fear around it, like how am I going to support my family? Where is the money going to come from? There was a lot of unknowns and that scared the absolute crap out of me. Yeah, My security, even though it wasn't a good marriage, my security was gone as what I knew was no longer going to be. And I had to then look at the space of what I was going to create for the future. It was going to be very different. And that's why a lot of people don't leave things because they have a fear of the unknown. And it doesn't matter how bad the situation is, they won't leave. Yeah. Because it's better, like there's that saying, it's better the devil you know. Yeah. Um, But I really had to let go of all of that, all that mind chatter of, and just remember that I'm, I was going to be okay. You've got this. Yeah. I'm glad you brought this up because I just wrote that down before I wanted to ask you about this. So on the flip side of the uncertainty, and and we do need to be able to come to that point where we can be completely comfortable in the uncertainty, but then that's where the knowing comes in, right? We don't know every detail, but we just know that things are going to be better on the other side. So how do you teach people their own form of knowing? So I, um, one of the tools that I use with my clients is light and heavy. When something is not true for you, it'll feel really dense and contracted. Yeah, yeah. But they're the things will often follow because they're almost, you can almost feel them and touch them strangely. So yeah. we'll follow those things and then we'll go down this path that's not conducive to what we want to create. But you want to feel, you want to follow the things that feel light. So the things that make you smile, light you up give tingles up your arms, tingles down your legs, make you, you know, just brighter thinking about it. That's one of the tools I say. Choose what makes you feel lighter. If it's light, go for that. If it's heavy, either don't or ask some more questions around it. The other other thing that I um, teach is if I choose this, and this is helping you go to the energy as well, if I choose this, what will my life be like in five years' time? Because five years is just enough time that you can't cognitively think about it because you don't want to go to your brain. Your brain will give you all the reasons and justifications why you shouldn't choose something because your brain is there to keep you safe. Yep. That's what it's there for. It's there for mathematical equations. Um, One plus one equals two. Two plus two equals four. And that's why we continue to overthink and overthink and think about the same scenario because that's the way the brain functions. Yeah. It keeps you the same broken record. So to look at what will my life be like in five years' time, your brain can't think about it. So you have to go to the energy of the situation. And if you get, oh, wow, it feels really expansive, like you can just feel this and it feels light, go for it. That feels light. If it goes, if I choose this, what will my life be like in five years' time? And it has this, <clears throat> that's the one you shouldn't go for. Mm, love it. The uh, the thought that comes up there is the reason so often that we choose the heaviness is because everything that we've ever learned says life's got to be a struggle. And, you know, the the uh, the every movie, it's like the comeback from adversity and all those things. And, and yes, we do need to have resilience and we need to to have comeback power but then when we come out the other side then we need to realize that we can follow the things that feel good and 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 easy and and that's okay 
like that's actually how it's meant to be. Yeah. And what if you could have ease with the challenges? Yeah. Like I actually had, even though it was sad and I was going through a lot of change, divorcing, that it, there was a lot of ease to it strangely. But had I not had the tools, those tools that I'd learned, there's no way I swear I'd be in a corner rocking back and forth in a straitjacket because I was so dramatic and so like, whoa, is my life and, you know, like I was very, very emotional back then. And although I still, like I still can get upset about things and angry about things, there's not that level of intensity and um, or where... I don't. I can't see a way through it. You got control over them. Regulation. I have tools, I have tools yeah. and I use them. Yeah. yeah, love it. Now that what you said there, like you'd be in the, on the ground, rocking in the corner. You said the yeah. other big one for you was um, was uh, lockdown, and yeah. I, I know many will relate to this. So I was saying to you beforehand, I I just got myself back, not back. I'd got myself into that. Uh, a place I'd wanted to be for ages. I'd worked really hard for 2019, getting into the professional sports space, just finished a contract, ready for the next one, and then we go to lockdown. And And I did have moments like that where it's like, what do I do now? So so how, how did that play out for you? Yeah, so when we went into lockdown, I actually went into freeze mode, like a beyond, right? I couldn't. Yeah move i couldn't think what was next what do i what do, how, what do i do with this situation i think i was in that freeze mode for around 6 weeks you're right and because before i before we went into lockdown i had you know like i had a thriving business i was running live events like seeing clients face to face um traveling interstate and doing classes interstate and creating events, creating all these things. And I was doing some things online, but it wasn't my preference. I actually yeah. prefer being in the room with people. So really it was like I'm I'm going to have to create and, and before, after I got out of my freeze mode because I was like, well, I just need to create one thing, like just to get over this hump, whatever that is. So I did a, I did a money call like a two-and-a-half-hour money call for people. And just in that choice, it changed everything. I was like, okay, cool. I got this. I can do this. And so I created my whole business online. And what came out of that was I had people messaging me from the Middle East. I had people messaging me from China, Taiwan, Brazil, and my business, instead of just being in Australia and being really like, you know, da da da, which I thought was great, yeah. suddenly was launched into all over the world. And I'm running these classes that were going for like 10 weeks on money, like, you know, how to become money, like the energy of money. I was running, you know, like the foundation course that I did that I was telling you about after the bars. I was running that online. I was just running a bunch of things and I was connecting with so many people and my business actually thrived and I created way more for me, my business and money-wise than I'd ever made in the previous years. So 
Awesome. Yeah. Tell me, oh, to me, that's a, a product of all the work you'd done previously, right? But just could you share with the listeners that that six weeks period, like ha- what that was like and how how you were able to get through it? Well, being a mum of two and having to homeschool them, my daughter was fine, my son was not, but what it actually highlighted to me was where they actually needed me and particularly my son. I could see all the areas of where he needed help in schooling that he wasn't getting. Yeah. And so... I guess it just highlighted a lot of things in the house and with my family and with my business and all the things that I really needed to pay attention to that you can't when you're so busy. But it was an it was really an area of just wow, just making sure everyone was okay whilst making sure that I was okay too, but just I think really going within um And I think I get it was really required, strangely. Yeah. Um, But one of the tools I guess I used when I was just feeling like, whoa, just so frozen was like we call it a beyonds moment. You're in a beyond. So I just called it for what it was because a beyond puts a freeze moment where you can't see any possibilities outside of that. And so I just had to wait it out really until I got the clarity. You know, sometimes we want to just be better quick. Yeah. And it's not always a quick fix. And sometimes you need to be sad and down and flat and tend to your loved ones and make sure, you know, that you're okay, they're okay, and maybe not so fo- be so focused on business and go, go, go. And I just needed to, to be in that moment for a bit. And it took six weeks. Yeah, and, and I I agree what you said there. Sometimes things need to happen. I It's my knowing that everyone got what they needed through those three years. It was a force to slow down. It was forced to face fears, challenges. And to me, the biggest thing was to look through life through a completely different lens than than what had been possible till then. So so how did you see the world differently after going through that six weeks? I just didn't care what anyone thought anymore. I Love really that. just didn't. So my daughter and I, we were making TikToks nearly every day and I wasn't making TikToks for my business. I was making TikToks with her because it was fun and we were dancing and it brought us joy. Yeah. And we'd involve Jay sometimes too, but he didn't always want to be in them. He's not like kind of one of those spotlight kids, but he would come in on them as well. And we were just out there and we'd put them out for the entertainment of us and for others. And people like were messaging more TikTok, more TikTok, like we were just going viral. And that's how actually people started to connect with me and go, I've seen your TikTok, I want to work with you. But I... But then that showed me something. I'm in my like Ugg boots, in my hoodie. <laughs> I'm not, I don't care. I've got no makeup on. I just didn't care. And so that was big for me to just let go of image and what it has to look like. 
or even have a result in mind because I just didn't have a result in mind. All I wanted was play, joy, curiosity, and that created more than me going, it has to, I'm doing this for this and this is going to create this. And that's what a lot of us are functioning from every day. Do I'm doing this for a result rather than this is fun, what could this create? Love it. And that's a good lead into the next question I was going to ask is that what I imagine what people saw was you being an awesome mum and and getting involved in something that your daughter was into. So as a parent that's done a heap of this, what, what's been the greatest gift that, that it's given you in terms of you, the mum, and and helping your children? Yeah, well, just being at home and, like, them doing their work and then us walking every day to our local um, cafe, grabbing a drink. I'd get them to choose whatever they want and walk back, but we could have all these conversations and being able to help my son through the fact that he had some, there was areas in his schooling that just were lacking and to see his confidence build through that time was incredible. And it was so funny because in the second year, they were so on. They were like, yep, we've got this. And they went into homeschool and they didn't need any of my help because of the first year I was juggling my work and them and his tantrums because he was having tantrums because he wouldn't understand something and I was teaching him how to break things down. Don't, yeah, don't look at the whole project. Look at the first step they're asking you. Do that, stop, then ask me another question. Then we'll go on to the second one. But he was getting so overwhelmed so I was learning how his brain was working. Big picture thinker. Big picture thinker yeah. can often overwhelm some of us. Mm-hmm. And I know I'm like that. I need to look at the one step. That te- don't look at the whole, ah, it's like too many steps. <laughs> That's the overthinking, right? Yeah, I'm one of those people that won't even read. <laughs> Sometimes it's to my detriment though. If you get something sent to you and it has to be assembled, I won't read the instructions. I'm just like, let's just put this baby together, you know, and it's like, shit, that's not meant to go there. What's this piece doing? Yeah, I can relate to that. Skimming. Yeah. I'm a skimmer. Well, just give me the gist of it. I don't, so, I don't just get me to the end. Yeah. <laughs> so just, just learning how his brain worked was teaching me stuff and, and just being with them and it was just really, really nice. Yeah, yeah. it was really nice. Um, you mentioned image. Uh, did you did you grow up where where how you looked was celebrated? Where like were you like um, were you seen? Not that you're not now, but were you seen as particularly attractive compared to your peers or something? And like so, so my experience with with talking to people who've had that experience is like there's a certain pressure then to then meet other people's expectations of you does that relate yeah and look and and being a dancer like you had to be groomed and for competitions you had to wear makeup and hairspray and you know all the things and then my parents even though they weren't really pushy about it they they like to keep a level of you know um presence and I think that's important to look professional um but then it can, it can put a lot of pressure on you to look a certain way or and and take you out of really what you know, what is true for you, I guess. Yeah. And 
to not have to worry about any of that stuff, it's just so (laughs) invigorating. It took me actually a long time to get out of my hoodies, to be honest. And even now, like I'm wearing this, you know, like this nice top and I've got my earrings, but I'm, the bottom, I'm actually wearing tracksuits and Ugg boots. <laughs> well, I'm still in the hoodie and I'm, definitely still, and I'm, and I'm definitely still in the Ugg boots in the uh, current <laughs> temperature in Sydney. I'm sure Melbourne is not much different if anything oh, colder. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no good. Um, can we talk a bit about, uh, a bit more about the pivot? Um because when we when we discussed this beforehand, I got goosebumps when you were talking about it. So, what what would you share with people if they're looking to change directions, whether it's in a job to another job, whether it's the business by necessity needing to pivot? What what are the key elements that they need to know to believe that it's actually possible? The key elements to believe that it's actually possible. Your life, if you look at your life right now, it's not a fuck up right and everything that you've created thus far is likely been incredible and the other thing is which is really interesting is we don't look at where if you're have the ability to create really shitty stuff you are potent and if you have the ability to create shitty stuff you have the ability to create some magnificent stuff it's just looking at what it is that brings you joy happiness, something that you're curious about. And if you look at this, the, your life so far and how you've, you know, gone along, and if you look, if I give myself as an example, I've been teaching since I was 14. I love teaching. I love facilitating. There's a theme there. What's your theme? Yeah. And the other day I was watching something and the lady said on the thing, if you're feeling sad today, if you're feeling unhappy, go and do something you did as a kid and I guarantee it will make you happy again. Now, I danced all my life and I guarantee you if I was feeling sad and I got up and started dancing in my kitchen, it would immediately bring life back to me. So what is the one thing that you could do in your business that is fun, creative, joyful, that will bring that spark, go with that. And you may not get the answer straight away. Like we want it now. We want the answer right now. If we don't have it right now, everything's going to turn to shit. Not true. Sometimes it can take a bit for clarity, but you've just got to relax. Key, relax. In relaxation is creativity and clarity. If you're pushing and forcing the answer to show up, it won't come. The universe can't hear that. The universe doesn't hear pushy or needy. Yeah. And uh, we, our unconscious mind tends to take us away from things that feel unsafe and towards things that feel much better. Now, I wanted to ask around one of the other restrictions that people find change in direction, it's usually around the paycheck, right? And I've had people say to me, I'd do something else, but I'm tied to the paycheck, you know, the responsibilities of family, providing all of those different things. So you've done a bit of work helping people around money. What's, Mm. what's the, what are some key tips to help them with around re-envisioning that idea of that 
well, if I move to something that's more joyful, I can't actually earn the same amount. How do you help them to see that actually the potential in that space is infinite? Yeah, well, I look at this. I'm going to show you this remote, right? Yeah. So this remote came as a thought first before it was actualized into reality. And now it's done, well, I probably did some years of like study and science and whatever they had to do to get to actualize this into existence. Yeah. Um, and then it, then here it is yeah. as a solid thing. Now your thoughts create your reality. So if you're sitting there thinking, well, I'm not going to make any more in my paycheck, <laughs> well, that's exactly what's going what's to occur. What if you choosing the thing that brings you great happiness is the thing that will bring money to you? Because when you are happy, you become a magnet to things. When you are choosing your thing that you align with, it brings what you're asking for. Yeah. So what's the big thought for you that's next that you are looking to bring into existence, creating into existence? That's a really good question. I am looking at classes at the moment in Europe and I've just created one for September and I'm looking at other and I, I asked the countries to ping me like which where do they want me which country wants me which country desires me I never thought I would go to Taiwan I've been to Taiwan twice now since we came yeah. out of lockdown that was not a country on my list of places but I just knew that I wanted to get out of Australia and contribute to people in different cultures. And I love when I go there and they really receive me, which is a beautiful thing. I love that. They're so grateful for everything that I give them or, you know, all the tools and everything. Um, and so I'm at the moment I'm asking which, which other countries around Germany, which is where I'm going in September, are asking for me. And I'm still waiting for that clarity too. It's still coming. So, yeah. It's, it's okay to create and it's also okay to to be guided to what's going to be for your highest too, right? Um, yeah, totally. What, you don't have to have the answer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What I did get there when you were talking about the different cultures, it was a real sense of hunger for, for more of that and more experiences. And, and I imagine the people that you help uh, have a similar way of looking at the world of, of wanting to travel and experience things that they perhaps never thought they'd be able to. Mm. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing. And it's just, it's it's beautiful um, working with different people and seeing a different perspective and how they've um, developed in their cultures. And it's and a lot of the time it's very different from ours, but then it's also got a lot of similarities. And the similarities are, I guess, the judgment of ourselves and the need to be perfect and the need to get it right and the need to get life right. Um, yeah, and showing them a different possibility around that is is a beautiful thing. Well said. Coming out the other side of a, of a marriage, um, have you had challenges then finding another partner 
or has it not been something on your radar or like how's that unfolded for you? So I did um, get into another relationship very, very quickly after my marriage, um, yep. only five, six months, which was in my interesting point of view way too soon Yep. Um, in terms of my healing journey. And we were together for seven years and he actually lived with me and he was living with me during COVID and stuff too. And um, I just recently ended that in November of last year for various different reasons. Um, And at the moment I'm going through a whole new awakening of my own through being like really, yeah, just looking at things at really what I would like in life and not being wrapped up in relationship, so to speak, and making that the sole purpose of my life and getting so invested in them that I forget about me. Um, Because there was a, a little bit of that with this guy too where I invested so much into him and his family that I left my own requirements and asks, yeah, to the side. So, yeah, it's been quite confronting and invigorating at the same time to go through that, yeah, to go through that healing journey. Mm. Mm -hmm. Um, You you mentioned at the start when you were talking about that decision that you knew was a wrong decision, it's, it's, again, it's more of that program that we experienced, the white picket fence and and the perfect uh, existence and and reality is is that life's far from perfect and comes back to us choosing what it is that we want. That's amazing what shows up when we do that. Well, you know, being a healer and being an empath, which I clearly am, um, I tend to see things in people. I, I I know that I know there's the greatness there. I can see it. And yeah. so, you know, we will often choose people that are that we can like heal in some way, but people have to choose that. And if they're not ready, then they're not ready, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's a great point. And if you're listening to this and you're going through a heap of changes and you're thinking, oh, you know, I need to get my partner to do, to do this, this and this, a bit like you described with your partner telling you what you should do. Uh, that that's not going to be the path to expanding your relationship. That's that's just going to be a path of frustration. The moment you can just control your own destiny and focus on your own stuff, that's where things are going to unfold for your highest and their highest. So as uh, tempting as that is when you start being exposed to all this new learning, uh, mm. yeah, you, you're far better off letting people take their own journey and, and supporting them if they require it. Yeah. And, and look, I get totally that you can get two people together where you can grow equally together because there's a receiving on both ends um, and that can work dynamically. If you, can, if you can ask for a partner or create a partner or have a partner that comes into your life where you are creating 100 times more than what you'd create alone, then that's incredible. You should go for that. And I look and I look at the partnership I had with my previous partner that I I split up with in November of last year. And we had some beautiful like I've known him for a very long time. We actually met in 1999. 
Oh, wow. In London, yeah. yeah. So, and we bumped into each other on my 40th birthday and bumped we started, yeah, yeah, we like, that's a whole story in itself. <laughs> totally very weird. And, yeah. um, and we didn't, I didn't introduce the kids till after a year and we didn't mm-hmm. move in together till about three years, towards the three years. But so it was, so it definitely wasn't rushed. Um, but it did have its mark where it was done. I think I, I think he should never have moved in. Yeah. Right. Um, and I knew that too. That's the other thing. You know this and you still choose anyway. We still mm. have these areas in our lives where we're a little bit insane. Um, and we've travelled the world and done some amazing, incredible things. Um, I'm just asking for yeah, something greater and different. And I don't know what that is yet. And that's okay. And that's okay. Love it. Yeah, we don't have to have it all figured out, right? Nope. Follow what's light, not what's right. What you've decided is right. (laughs) Oh, yeah, goosebumps for that. That's good. Uh, Danielle, where can people find more of your magic? Um, you can find me on my website at www.danielletooley.com. Um, I also have Instagram, which is uh, underscore, And I'm also on Facebook, um, which I don't know, that's hard to, yeah. We'll add the links in the notes and, and they can find it there. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Thank Awesome. Is there anything else you wanted to share before we wrap it up, Danielle? I would ask what would you like your life to look like? How much fun can you have on this incredible journey called life? Don't take yourself too seriously. It's really like we came into this existence to experience joy and fun Um and I think we just get so bogged down with the monotony of life and the rat race that we forget that we're these infinite beings that are here to have infinite adventures and possibilities. So go forth and conquer that or create Love that, it. I should say. Yeah, create, absolutely. <laughs> conquering down and create. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there might be a little bit of conquering on the way, but yeah. <laughs> it might be. Might have to slay a few people. <laughs> Oh, Daniel, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your stories. A wonderful chat and um, great to see the joy and uh, and changes you're bringing to the life and the, and the creations that you are bringing to life. So thank you. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Grief Code podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Please share it with a friend or family member that you know would benefit from hearing it too. If you are truly ready to heal your unresolved or unknown grief, let's chat. Email me at info at ianhawkinscoaching.com. You can also stay connected with me by joining the Grief Code community at ianhawkinscoaching.com forward slash the grief code. And remember, so that I can help even more people to heal, please subscribe and leave a review on your favorite podcast platform.